I said, well, hell, I got it going on then. Welcome back to the Reload Podcast. I'm Kyle Boone, and with me today will be Michael Doty from the Sports Animal in Oklahoma City. Uh, Doty and I break down Oklahoma State's 2017 basketball season now that it is officially over. Uh, Western Kentucky knocked off Oklahoma State in the NIT earlier this week. Uh, we also break down Mike Boynton's first year as a head coach. Uh, Boynton has now been head coach for a little over a year. Uh, we dissect how it went, obviously. We talked a little bit about how he can improve as a head coach, who he's recruiting, and um, obviously this is, a, this is a recruiting podcast. We're going to talk about Courtney Ramey because the folks want to hear about Courtney Ramey and uh, point guard recruiting in general, grad transfers that have uh, emerged on the, uh, on the radar and some other prospects to keep, it, uh, to keep an eye on. So we will get to that uh, interview here shortly. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Angel Johnston and Blasting Game. You may have heard the news that there is a new tax bill, but do you know how it'll affect you? Angel Johnston and Blasting Game does. Their firm of 10 CPAs and 22 total employees is one of the largest in central Oklahoma, and they've been hard at work calculating how these changes will affect hardworking cowboys just like yourself. Feel free to give Cameron or Evan a call at 405-224-6363 or visit their website at ajb-cpas.com. Again, that's 405-224-6363. Go Pokes. And now, interview with Michael Doty. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Reload Podcast. Uh, my name is Kyle Boone, and with me today, repeat guest on the podcast, Michael Doty from the Morning Animals uh, the sports animal uh, is with us today, and he's going to break down Oklahoma State's basketball season. It is officially over. Michael, what's going on? Not much. Just trying to kind of, uh, I guess, wrap my head around that uh, Gallagher was done for another season. And uh, already a little bit excited looking forward to next season, but uh, we've got a lot to get to before then. But uh, uh, it's kind of sad when the season like this comes to an end, don't you think? Yeah, it sucks. And we were talking in our um, our group chat, our Slack chat, uh, with pistols firing, just about like, you know, recapping the season, how we felt like um, a lot. Uh, some people use the word disappointing, and I say like, I I don't think it was disappointing. Like, yeah, it sucks. The season's over, and it's sad, I guess. But like all altogether, I think this is a pretty decent season based off what the expectations were coming into this season. It definitely sucks that it's over before, uh, you know, obviously they got to go to the NIT semifinals, but overall I can't be like too terribly mad. And now I've got like a bunch of free time. I don't know what to do with. So I, I'm not too mad about it. And I, I think it's, it is a pretty good season overall. What do you think? Yeah, I I mean, it's hard to say it was a bad season because, I mean, they were picked to finish last in the Big 12. Right. Um, They had a first-year head coach and Coach Boynton. We didn't know anything about him. We didn't know anything about him other than that, you know, he's a hard worker and uh, he got a a chance from Coach Holder. But um, when Coach Underwood left and goes to Illinois, I felt like the 
air was just completely let out of any momentum that the program had built over that last season, you know, a season ago, where there was people starting to come back and they all of a sudden Coach Underwood, who they completely fell in love with, was gone in like not even 24 hours after that NCAA tournament loss to Michigan. And it kind of felt like it was even worse than when Travis Ford was, was the coach. Just the, the attitude of, yeah, you know, the, the administration doesn't care about the program. Uh, we're just a football school now. Um, but I think the fans were just – that was just such a gut punch that they just had no interest in basketball whatsoever. And to, to the point where when the FBI stuff comes, on, comes around with Lamont Evans, that um, – it almost felt like, you know, you were punched in the face, but it, it didn't hurt that bad because you're just numb. Like, that's where everything started off with. And then all of a sudden they start playing really hard. You listen to what Coach Boynton says and just how likable he was. Um, and the the fact that they win, what, six top 25 uh, games all season, which yep. is really, really good. The most since, I believe, 2004. Yeah, four top then 10 wins. Then they win, uh, exactly, four top 10 wins. You're like, this is a like the the progression that they got. Remember when they go up to Brooklyn into that whatever challenge it was, and they play yes. Texas A and M, who they just got blasted by, yep. and barely beat one of the worst pit teams in history. Yes. And you're like, oh, like they're going to be lucky to beat Iowa State <laughs> right. twice. You know who ended up being last. So from where they started to where they finished, it it, it can't be anything but a successful season to me because it kind of regalvanized a fan base and their hunger for basketball where it hadn't, I mean, it had been maybe at an all time low, yep. you know, going into this season. So um, uh, it, it wasn't uh, a great season. I don't think that you should be as an Oklahoma state fan, you know, wanting to go to the NIT every year. Right. But I think that this little run here in the last month, month and a half has done a lot for the program going forward that, you know, foundation laid kind of mantra that coach Boynton has, you know, flashed around since, you know, going into Wednesday night's game. I think that's huge. I think that's key that they're going to use this, you know, as the foundation, because when's the last time there's been a good foundation in Oklahoma state basketball? I'm serious. I, I can't even remember. I think in, they've won one NCAA tournament game in the last 13 years. Yeah. There's been such wishy-washy, you know, with the coaches, the, and the disconnect between that and the fan base. And right. There just hasn't been a foundation for like 10 years. And finally it feels like, hey, there is one now. And to me, if that's all that comes from this season, that's a success. Yeah. I don't know where you stand on that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think the biggest point uh, to be made there is not only has uh, faith been restored in the program, but fans – are coming to to Gallagher Iba like they haven't in a long time. It feels like I mean, the fans were packing out Gallagher Iba like it was a Sweet Sixteen game. Um, the atmosphere was real. Uh, my parents are season ticket holders and they love uh, just the style of play that that Boynton has uh, rolled out on the floor. I just I just think that you know everything has kind of turned in the past two months or so where everyone's kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. And now they're all in on Mike Boynton. Um, so we kind of answered that first question I was going to ask you, which is, do you feel like Boynton's mm -hmm. first season was a success? I think we both agree overall success. Um, NIT is not the end game, but like you mentioned, it's, it's a foundation that has been laid. I think they can build upon this. 
Boynton has something to work with now. Uh, and more importantly, the fans, I feel like, for now, are fully behind him uh, moving forward. Which leads me to my next question. There is, and I've been on the radio this week, people have asked me, there's going to be discussions about Mike Boynton and him officially being the lowest paid coach in the Big 12. So, let me ask you this. If you're Mike Boynton, what's your next move? You're you're the lowest paid coach in the Big 12. Um, you had a really good season overall. You you proved that you can fill the seats at Gallagher-Iba. Um, but there's not necessarily a guarantee that more money's coming your way, although he kind of downplayed that in his post-game press conference earlier this week just saying, "Hey, I, you know, Stuff will take care of itself. I'm grateful to Mike Holder for taking a shot on me, uh, and I'm extremely loyal to this program. What do, what do you do now if you're Mike Boynton and the season's over um, with your contract situation? Because you've got a five-year contract, but uh, you're still the lowest-paid coach and probably not the worst coach in the Big 12. Right. Um, that's such a interesting situation um, because he's – the lowest paid by quite a bit. Yep. Like, I can't remember all the figures, but like he's making just over a million a season. Yes. And I think it would be a good thing if Holder and the administration that they clearly believed in the guy, you know, a year ago is to further prove their commitment and loyalty to what's going on. And I don't know what type of raise, I think it should be like year to year. So if I think he should be at least bumped up, Seven to eight hundred thousand, maybe even a full million to two, somewhere in there, where he makes one point seven to one point two million, or uh, sorry, one point seven to two million, somewhere in there. I think that would be a good show of faith in America. All right, and if you can get in the NCAA tournament and you can win a couple of games, you know, we're just going to keep bumping it up because we like what's going on, but we're not going to Travis Ford contract you. You know, that, I, I think that's the thing that um, fans don't want to see. There's a way to do it in, in between where it's like, hey, let's continue. Hey, we, we, we keep having good seasons, and we're going to keep you know bumping your pay. We're going to keep showing the not only to the fans, but the current students or the, the current athletes and then future athletes, the ones that you're going out and recruiting. It's like, hey, we're committed on this thing. That's another just tool that Coach Boynton can use on the recruiting trail, which is going to be just incredibly important really from right now um, into that 2019 class, which I'm sure, you know, we can kind of get into some of that here in a little bit, but I think that is important. And it's kind of funny. Um, I went to all three of the NIT games, uh, loved it. Just loved being up there, loved feeling the atmosphere of the just diehard fans that were there for the Florida Gulf coast. Then there was more fans there mm-hmm. for Stanford. And then there was, you know, 11,000 there for, uh, the Western Kentucky game, but you just felt the excitement growing each and every game. But, Monday, I'm uh, with my brother, and we're at Hideaway, and lo and behold, guess who goes to the table right next to us is Mike Holder and his wife, <laughs> and I was so tempted, so tempted, I kid you not, to just go over, shake his hand, and say, you know, a year ago at this time, I wasn't real thrilled with uh, the whole basketball situation, and yeah. the way Underwood happened, and then you bring in this Boynton guy who I knew his face, but didn't even know his name, and just thank you for what what you've done because it's been just, you know, I was wrong. Now, don't mess it up was what I was going to, you know, right. something along those lines. Because <laughs> Look him in the, the eye. You know, it's like, you, exactly. Like, now, don't mess this up, Mike. <laughs> um, but 
I didn't do that. Um, he was having a great time with his wife. I was like, no, that's probably not a good look. Won't do that. <laughs> but um, but for real, that's like I think the thought through every fan's head is like, you know, where is the commitment level to this program from the administration? We've seen it from Boynton all the way that he, you know, he talks to the fans, the way that he was just so visible social media-wise. I mean, he basically is acting like, you know, the mayor of Stillwater going out and shaking hands, begging people to come, handing out free T-shirts. Right. It's really impressive just, you know, at his age and understanding the fans in the arena make this place what it is. And it is special when you're inside Gallagher-Iva, like the, the OU game, uh, that overtime win. Just there's no other uh, atmosphere like that there's very few places in the country like that and you have that still are that's a huge recruiting tool then you come back and there hasn't been a ton of you know that it was inconsistent there was a lot of weekend games at the beginning of the year you know iowa state and texas yep and i think that's kind of after that bedlam game people started you know jumping on but then there's weeknight games and Stillwater's a tough place to get uh to get i get that but then there was the kansas game and it was a huge game because you feel like you win that there's a great chance you get in the ncaa tournament and they had some recruits there uh, from the from from uh, Oklahoma, from the Tulsa area, the Boone Twins. Yeah. And I'm, I just was thinking the entire game that you don't have to say anything if you're born after the game. You just raise your hands out. It's like you just want to be a part of that. That's in itself is a, such a huge recruiting tool. And I think that the more the fans come in, the easier it is. Uh, Stillwater is the place to recruit for basketball. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you kind of answered my question about um, does does Boynton and his performance this year warrant a pay bump. I think we both agree that uh, Boynton has done enough to at least get some sort of raise. He, you mentioned it. He's making $1 million a year um, this year, uh, which is $500,000 less than the, the second lowest, which is Chris Beard at $1.5 million. Um, Who will I'll, definitely be getting a pay raise at the end of this year. Yes. Like already it's in the works. He's going to make like close to 3 million after this year, after the summer. Mm-hmm. So what, what is commitment to you from Oklahoma state? I mean, where, where does Boynton's salary need to fall and where does his contract need to land in order for us to be, you know, contempt or content with, with him being as Stillwater and being happy and not being worried about, hey, the pit job's open. Hey, Louisville's open. Hey, this job's open. He's not going to go. Um, you know, you look at OU's Lon, Kru- Lon Kruger. He's at $3.1 million, uh, which is the third highest paid. Uh, fourth highest is Baylor. Scott Drew at $2.9 million. And then Kansas State's at $2.3 million. Bruce Weber. Uh, Steve Prom is at $2 million. And that's kind of the threshold there. That's the lowest um, other right. than Chris Chris Beard at one and a half, which he's already getting a pay raise. So what do you think, I guess, does he warrant, yeah. has he warranted a, a salary increase and where, do, where does he fit in the hierarchy there? Because it's hard to say definitively that Boynton's a better coach than Bruce Weber because, hey, Kansas right. State beat us twice, you know? Scott Drew beat us twice. Mm-hmm. Where, where does he fit in there? But he also beat Bill um, Self twice. So, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. There's, there's that. This is always nice to have. Um, I think a bump, you know, at least to, um, you know, a seven hundred thousand dollar raise to get him to, you know, one point seven 
million anywhere between there and you know 1.8. I think that's nice, but it's it's hard for me to say this is a his season's complete because we know he can coach basketball and he can motivate his team and that he can really get uh, that he really clicks with the fan base. But we don't know how well he can recruit. And, right. Um, last season, the only one that they were able to really bring in, um, a four-year guy, was Zach Dawson. He played five games and was suspended once and dismissed, you know, at the early part of the season. Yep. Um, and he, he was a four-star kid out of Miami, Florida, and there's, I think, some excitement about, you know, him um, at the beginning of the year. But as, you know, the season went on, you could tell he wasn't going to be a part of the picture this year, and now he's not a part of the picture at all. Right. Um, they got um, – uh, Michael Weathers, who is a grad or not a graduate, but he uh, transferred in yep. freshman of the year at Miami of Ohio. Coach Cooper brings. I think he's going to be really, really good. By yeah, the way. I do too. Anybody you talk to up there, they just they rave about him. Yep. He was able to get in. I believe Curtis Jones from Indiana, who's going to be a, a, a transfer, mid-year transfer, already on campus now. I don't really know a ton about him other than it just didn't work at Indiana. Yeah. So he, he can get some transfers if they're in on it. Yeah. There, there's. Some other transfers in now, but it's going to take some, uh, some to get an even higher raise to where he's like average Big Twelve salary. We're going to have to see if he can recruit and if he can kind of build a roster because that hasn't happened in a long, long time. I think the last time that really happened was when Travis Ward got Marcus Smart and Phil Forte. There was some really nice depth. There were some superstars. There were some four star guys. There were some four-year guys along with some early exit like a you know smart but there needs to be something to different because this i mean this class was just kind of pieced together this you yes. know group right now is they were able to just kind of take a guy like kendall smith who about halfway through the season i didn't even think he could play at big 12 level basketball and then he started playing out of his mind at the beginning of the season um you know you're able to bring in yankuba sima who, you know, he's trying to get his feet wet in the Big 12 play as the season's going along. Um, you know, you just you got guys like that. You're, you're just kind of piecing together a roster. But right. you need a very, very good recruiting class at some point where you can say these guys are going to be here for at least three to four years, and you're going to get, you know, quite a bit out of them. And that's going to take time. And I don't know if he can get it this, this class. I think that the – um, you and I uh, out of um, Lee Summit and then Duncan DeMuth, DeMuth, you know, those are guys that are probably four-year guys, I would assume, and they're probably more project guys. Yes. Um, but you need to get um, guys like that, but also a guy like Courtney Ramey. Right. You know, where it's the stud of the class that's going to be able to help immediately. And we're just – that's yet to be seen, and I think that will kind of dictate what type of raise he gets because I think they are – conscious of what they did with Travis Ford and they don't want to get in a situation like that again. I mean, where, where do you see him um, in the, in the whole race thing? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, to go back to the recruiting class, uh, you are Annie, I a six foot 11 kid and Duncan Demuth, a six foot nine kid, both forwards, both somewhat talented, um, fairly lightly recruited. I think that this class is going to be solid. I think they'll be able to produce. I don't know about right away, but you're totally going to look at this recruiting class in a different light if uh, Boynton's able to bring in Courtney Ramey, the point guard from from St. Louis. Uh, they need a point guard to run their show next year. Uh, they've already started reaching out to grad transfers about potentially coming in. They are looking at the grad or the transfer market to potentially 
uh, redshirt a guy and then come in and compete. Michael Weathers could even fill that role next year, the kid out of Miami, Ohio, you mentioned, who who sat this year. Um, but you're right. I think that Boynton, a lot of people, whenever he was first hired, everyone thought that he was going to be able to recruit and he might be able to coach. That was all they knew. He had zero coaching experience, but he's a longtime assistant who has made his bones recruiting. And thus far, he hasn't he hasn't been totally lights out. And part of that, I'm sure, has a lot to do with the fact that um, the FBI was knocking on OSU's doors like six months ago asking for mm-hmm. information about the oh, yeah. assistant Absolutely. coach. And Lamont Evans is no longer with the program. He's uh, been fired for his um, involvement in uh, nefarious recruitment activities dating back to his days at uh, South Carolina. So I imagine there's some sort of cloud that may be hanging over the the heads of uh, the OSU coaching staff as they hit the recruiting trail. That may have a lot to do with it, but I still think that overall you look at what Boynton has done this year, uh, his, his ability to coach the kids in the roster that he has now, um, I think that he's he's got to be in in line to get some sort of raise and extension. My idea is somewhere around one and a half million. You know, just put him, give him a five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollar raise, and then give him escalators every year. Say, hey, you know, in the first year you make one and a half million. Next year you make one point seven. Next year one point nine. Hey, if you make it to the Sweet Sixteen, we'll give you a five hundred thousand dollar bonus. If you make it to the elite eight, here's 500,000 more or something like that. Very, um, you know, incentive laden to the point where, you know, you, you obviously want to try and project and say, Hey, we feel like we've got the guy that we want for the long term, Uh, but we also don't want to overpay because right now you're paying off of uh, potential and projection. You don't want to pay off of uh, Mm -hmm. something that, he really hasn't done yet. He hasn't been to an NCAA tournament. You think he will, um, but you'd like for him to prove that first. And I think that's why um, something like that would make sense, a five-year, uh, $9 million uh, contract of some sort to give him some sort of security, too, to sell to recruits uh, to say, hey, look, I'm here for the long haul, fellas. I'm not, I'm not bolting for South Carolina. I'm not bolting for Louisville. I'm not bolting for Pitt. I'm here to stay. Come play for me, Courtney Ramey. Here's how it goes. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe that works. Absolutely. Maybe it doesn't. Absolutely. So uh, bo- I would give if he's able to get Courtney Ramey on uh, on uh, campus. Yeah. I'd just give him a raise for that because <laughs> I think if they get a kid of that caliber at point guard, and I'm serious here, because they didn't really have a point guard this season. No, you're right. You know, Brandon Averett was the you know the the. Uh, I really the only point guard on roster because I don't consider Kittle Smith a point guard. He was. Right. A guy that um, I, so many times that Coach Boynton would just be upset with the way he was running the offense. Um, not that he did a bad job or anything like that, but just for example, in that Western Kentucky game, he just didn't handle um, the zone that zone trap that they were doing very well. He threw the ball away, and Boynton just immediately took him out, put you know put him on the bench, and didn't talk to him for an extended period of time. Yeah, made him sit for a long time. And let Brandon Averett kind of run the show in the first uh, first half and. Brandon Averett, you know, he had his best game maybe of the season in that last game, but I'm not totally convinced, you know, he's a guy that can, you know, play in the Big 12 long term. He, he kind of hit a, a big wall the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, so if you're able to get a guy who can distribute the basketball, defend, and score, that unlocks so much in what this league is about. 
and, yeah. and what the offense will be about. Because you saw it with Juwan Evans, how much more efficient and better Jeffrey Carroll was. Jeff had a really good season this year, but he wasn't somebody who was able to, you know, create, you know, off the bounce. There's really only one person I would say on this team, and it was Kendall Smith that could create his own shot. Everybody else was dependent on the point guard. And that's going to be another thing is they're going to have to get some other guys like that. I think Michael Weathers is the guy that's going to be able to do that. But yep. you get a guy like Courtney Ramey, and that changes everything. And that's why this, this recruitment is so important. So since you're the guy who knows what's going on, I'm just going to ask, what are what are the chances right now for Oklahoma State? Because it's getting real because his season just ended uh, in high school, and now he's kind of really starting the recruiting process up again. I, I think it's totally 50-50 right now. I think Courtney Ramey – um, from the people that I talked to that have followed his recruitment is still just totally up in the air. I think he's still waiting to see if Missouri, the home, the in, in-state uh, program is going to actually give him a full court press. I think Missouri's kind of playing kind of hard to get with, with Ramey, but they want the, uh, the coaching staff at Mizzou to try and show that they care, that they really want him, uh, which sounds totally bananas and also somewhat high schoolish, but, uh, it is what it is. I think mm-hmm. Illinois is is officially a factor. I think Brad Underwood and his staff have made a concerted effort to insert themselves into his recruitment. Um, Texas is still I a factor. I would be so upset, so upset <laughs> if he's going if he goes to Illinois. I, I will be yeah. bitter about Brad Underwood for forever until he's done coaching. That's when I will stop being bitter about it. I'm just I'm just saying that now. I don't th- I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I think there's a lot of fans out there that feel that way. No, I th- I think you're right. I think you're right. And I the only thing that makes me think that Illinois won't be the ultimate landing spot is because they've already signed a, a blue chipper in Ayu uh, Dos- uh, Dosen, a really Mee, good a five star really kid. Good. And I think that Ramey would kind of take a back seat there. So I don't know if he is the type of kid who's going to say, hey you know screw you i think i'm a better player than you let's let's line up and see who's better and who's going to play more um you know it's kind of a risky thing because ramey could be a potential one and done kid or two and done or uh, i don't know if he'll play four years because he's so talented so uh right now you know if, if gun to my head i'm gonna say oklahoma state and texas are probably the favorites um the late season emergence of matt coleman for texas makes me think that uh, OSU probably has a better shot, but Missouri is still kind of looming there in like the gray area where I th- I think that Ramey would really, really love to stay within the state for a lot of reasons, um, especially because his family's from there, obviously. Um, and I, I think that's going to be really hard for, for Boynton to overcome, but I think we're going to learn something pretty quick here because the signing period... Uh, is middle of April, if not the first, uh, second weekend of April. So, um, you know, if Boynton and, and Oklahoma State will know their fate really, really soon. In the meantime, they're not really waiting around. Like I said, they've already started fishing the, the grad transfer market. They're looking for other options. They've offered other high school kids. And uh, I think all of that is yeah, to try yeah. and light a fire. Uh, under one out of, uh, yeah, uh, Amir Harris, is yes. that a name? that um, I saw that they offered a while back yes. who was committed for a while to Rhode Island mm-hmm. who is uh, he's got pretty good size so he's intriguing as like a contingency plan yeah yeah and he's he's like a combo guard kind of a fringe point guard could play point guard um, nowhere near the prospect as Ramey um, but 
you know, he's 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 an option. He's a he's definitely a fallback contingency plan if everything else doesn't fall through. Uh, he could he could be an option because he's he's currently uncommitted. Was originally committed to Rhode Island, like you said. Get out of Baltimore. Um, so I, that that could be another name to keep an eye on. In my opinion, I think it's Ramey or Bust. Uh, if they don't get Ramey, which I think they'll wait and see until the final hour, if uh, if they do, then my guess is they try and fish the grad transfer market again, try and land a um, you know one year player, kind of like Kendall Smith this year, and see kind of how things roll. Because um, I I don't think that they want to try and take a kid who may not be able to compete at the highest level of the Big Twelve or. Uh, may not be as talented enough to do so, and and leave leave themselves in a weird spot um, down the road. I don't I don't think that's what they want to do. Um, you talked a little bit about uh, Mike Holder and and Boyton and what he had to say after uh, OSU's final game of the season against Western Kentucky. Boyton credited Mike Holder uh, for the hire last year, and he was really really candid. I thought it was really interesting. He said that uh, he hasn't talked with anyone else about a job opening. Basically, someone asked him, hey, are you going to bolt like uh, Brad Underwood? He said, no, you know, I haven't really talked about uh, a job with anyone else, despite the carousel spinning like crazy right now. Louisville's open, Pitt's open. Um, he said his family is really happy here. He kind of alluded to the fact that he could see himself retiring on a, on a ranch, which was hilarious to hear from a kid, a guy from Brooklyn. Oh, I'm all for that. I, I would love to, I would love to see Mike Boynton in cowboy boots. I think that would be hilarious. Um, I'm going to play the audio real fast and we can listen to it because I thought his, his comments were, were really, really interesting. I'll say this and I may be speaking out of turn. Um, the person who saw this before anybody else was Mike Holder. Some people won't like that, but he saw something that no one else saw before anybody else saw it. And I'm not saying that we've got it all figured out and we're going to win the national championship next year. But, again, when this happened, the reaction was, oh, boy, this is a disaster. <laughs> this is not going to go well. And in a couple of years, we're going to be in a much worse place than we are right now. Uh, and clearly that's not the case. Um, he was the visionary of that. There wasn't another athletic director in the country that would have given me this opportunity. So, it means a lot to me. Hey, Cowboy Nation, Evan Epstein here. Wanted to take a moment and tell you about my experience with the other Evan over at Angel Johnston and Blasting Game. I've personally worked with Evan over the last couple years and he's made filing my taxes a breeze. He's easy to work with, provides you with an extremely professional service, and most importantly, he bleeds orange. I highly recommend contacting his office and, and just seeing what they can do for you. And as always, go Pokes. I think that, um, that Holder is getting enough credit for the Mike Boynton hire. And should well, he be getting the credit? I think he definitely should because yeah. he definitely saw, I think, uh, in that meeting that they had, what we've seen over the last year is... He's an incredibly personable guy. He comes across as incredibly genuine. And I think that's more than anything what has endeared himself to Oklahoma State fans is because that's what they want. I think that's why everybody was fired up about Doug Gottlieb, even though they had no idea if he could coach or not. <laughs> uh, and we, we all think he probably can, but we really we don't know. We, right. you know we, there's just no way of knowing. 
but we knew that he would care about the program because he played there. It's been a huge uh, emphasis in, in his life. And I think that's all like, that was the criteria of OSU. It's like we knew Travis Ford didn't care. Uh, Brad Underwood clearly just, you know, went, you know, kind of used this to, um, you know, climb up the, you know, the ladder and make more money and all yep. that kind of stuff. I think OSU fans really just were like, we just want somebody who cares yeah. about the program, cares about doing things the way that, you know, that we're accustomed to. And so seeing him uh, put the defense on the back of the shorts and practice, see oh, yeah. him uh, slap the floor during the game, it's just, there's just something about him that screamed, this is a fit at Oklahoma State, yeah. which is a hard thing to do. I, I'm convinced that this is, this is a place uh, in Stillwater that is not for everybody. There's a reason why there's a lot of former coaches on campus right now with Coach Gundy, um, Holiday. Um, yeah, no doubt. And there's, you know, there's other um, uh, Smith, John Smith, you know. Um, but listening to him talk, the way that he approaches the game of basketball, the way that I think has opened a lot of uh, fans' eyes because they want – I think – uh, we answered the question of, is there uh, a hunger still for Oklahoma State basketball, or, or did it just kind of evaporate with the thunder coming here, the way that things have been handled for the last you know, decade plus? And I think we finally got our answers. There is you know, a part of the program that still really, really wants this uh, team to do well, that wants to show up and cheer on uh, a, a good product, and that they'll show up on a Wednesday night an NIT game and you know put 11,000 people in the stands there there is that fan base that still exists yeah where now now the only thing is is uh you found your guy and coach Boynton that was able to make that happen when nobody wanted him this is a guy nobody wanted you know on social media right after it was it was ugly yes it was ugly um and I was you know not necessarily part of it on Boynton but on the way Holder handled everything, I was not happy. There was, I think, a lot of people that, how can you let this happen and look at it? And maybe, I don't know if Boynton's a better coach than, than uh, uh, Brad Underwood, but I do know one thing is that I feel that he was more genuine about way, the way things happen. Just towards the, the last couple of weeks of Underwood's tenure, things started from a we into an I and yep. I, I try try and catch that from what coaches say because once they start saying I that's just a big turnoff for me and I think a lot of turnoff for OSU fans and Boynton has been you know let's work and he had a great answer after the game yeah Wednesday. they talked about the mantra of let's work he goes well the words let us work and it's work is what we do we literally work for this right but the part of let us is you know it's the players it's the administration it's the coaching staff and it's the fan base and that just stuck a chord with me it's like this is the guy that gets it he gets how to run this program and hopefully he can recruit because i would love to see him 25 years from now with a you know a, a farm next to coach gundy's and those two wearing boots and going out and <laughs> you know just you know i would love that i would yeah. absolutely love that but um there's still a lot of work to be done but I can definitely, you can definitely see the way Holder, what, what Holder saw in an interview. So he's definitely not getting enough. I've talked myself into it. He's not getting enough credit. Coach Holder deserves so much credit, more than what he's getting. And hopefully over the next, you know, couple of seasons that fans really jump on board, not just with what 
Boynton's doing, but with what Holder's doing, because he's had the way that he and um, Gundy's relationship has been kind of put out publicly. It's not a great relationship, right? Um, that's upset a lot of people. Um, and I, you know, he's not the easiest guy to get along with. Uh, I think most people around, he's kind of a blunt guy, and he's not gonna. He doesn't really care to lift your spirits if uh, he doesn't want to. You know, he's just kind of right. that kind of guy. He's very real, and um, that might upset some people. But, no, I think he deserves so much credit for this. And and hopefully fans can, can get on board with that because I know some fans really get upset with him from time to time. Yeah, and I think it's ironic almost, too, that uh, Boynton almost certainly was destined to not win the press conference when they first introduced him. I mean, he a lot of people were saying – who the heck is Mike Boynton? Oh, he was on staff? Mm-hmm. Oh, he was on the bench with Underwood. Like, who is this guy? No one really knew. Um, but since then, all he's done is win every press conference. I mean, I watched the press conference uh, after West after the Western Kentucky game, and his answers, like, I really feel like he is always in an interview setting and always trying to impress people with his answers. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned at his point about the let's work thing. It's not just about working, which is what we're built upon. And that's what he said, but it's about let's, it's about us. It's about all of us doing it together. It's about the players, the fans, the coaches all doing it together. And that's what I thought was really interesting. It's just like, this guy is kind of a genius. Like everything he does seems Mm -hmm. very um, well thought out, very meticulous. And, you know, you can kind of see why Mike Holder and, and the people who hired him, uh, in that room, in that committee, was sold on was sold on him because he is he's really turned out to be kind of a diamond in the rough. Um, Michael, you actually have to get out of here. You're going to a Thunder game tonight. I want to ask you one last question. Uh, spring football is already started. They've already started practice. Um, what is what is it that you're most fascinated in? Just one thing uh, as OSU prepares for spring ball. What is one thing that you're looking for? All right, one thing. Wow. Yeah. Um. I guess, boy, I could go on and on and on. I know, um, I could too. We'll save I'll that thought for another day. Exactly. I'll <laughs> I'll say one for both sides of the ball quickly. I'm interested to see what the new defense looks under Jim Knowles. Just just kind of how they line up. And yeah. Where everybody, you know, the current guys where they're lined up. That's interesting to me. The other part is the receivers because um, they're replacing a lot of huge. Playmakers, obviously, with Lacey, Washington, Aitman, all those guys. We know kind of what Tyron Johnson's about, but there's some other, and, you know, Tylen Wallace. But there's some other guys, L.C. Uh, Greenwood, I'm really fired up to see. And Patrick McCoffman, I I'm am fired you. up to watch him live because I love his size. I love, you know, I was able to watch a couple practices just for a brief period, you know, when, when he first got on campus. And I uh, just I'm intrigued to the max by him. Yes, so Patrick McCoffman. Those are the those are what I'm kind of looking forward to seeing. Um, the quarterback competition will be boring. I will just say that now. <laughs> that that doesn't get started until June 1st when uh, old Spencer Sanders shows up. Yep, I think you're right. Drew Brown, the Hawaii quarterback transfer, who's here for a grad year has arrived this week. So um, that's good news. Uh, oh wow. He, he was on campus. I don't know that he's actually going to be on campus um, until the summer, though. I, I think that's still yeah, yet I to think be decided. That's true. I think he still has to – he'll graduate in June. 
Yeah, yeah. But he was on campus this week, so that's really interesting to uh, to follow. The quarterback uh, competition will be really interesting this spring and even more so this summer. So uh, we will keep an eye on that. Michael, thanks for your wisdom, and uh, thanks for your time. Appreciate it, as always. You are our second repeat guest of the podcast, uh, second to only Kyle Porter, and I think maybe Kyle Cox, too. So uh, you have survived another day in the life of Kyle. Way to go. All right. Well, it's always fun when we're able to talk sports. Love doing it. No doubt. All right. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you, man. All right. See you, buddy.